0: Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And there's Kodai Senga. And there's his first strike out of the night as he gets Goldschmidt looking. And wind goes down on strikes. Good splitter there by Senga and he struck him out mm. went back to the cutter to get him and Senga has his third strike out of the night second time he's got Goldschmidt just not much of a cutter here and a swing and a uh-huh. miss at another fourth ball so Senga keeping that in his back pocket for this third time around the order one zero four three strike three called Burleson down on strikes that's five K's for Senga who's retired nine straight he's up nine one after seven. It's another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast here on this Sunday, August the 20th, 2023. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can show up on Podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. I also want to. Give you my Instagram, Talking Mets No G. And I want to thank the good folks from the Fan Sided Podcasting Network for sponsoring the show. Uh, welcome to another edition of the program. And let me guess, let me guess, you woke up this morning a little giddy, right? You didn't want to hear about Mets math. Oh, well, you know, I gave you that Mets math way, way, way back, telling you how hard it would have been for the Mets to make the playoffs. But Mets were eight games under 500 six games out. You were seeing them pop up on wild card standings on the program. You're like, ah, eh, look at Miami, not playing well. Cincinnati's not great. Arizona's not great. The Cubs, I mean, they can't keep up with the Cubs and you had a little bit of hope. And then obviously you saw why the 2023 Mets are a disappointment because they're starting pitching. It's just not up to snuff. Cookie Carrasco uh, at the top of that list, along with some others. And you got slammed back down to earth, but, you know, as we go through the dog days of August and extended garbage time, because regardless of what we think and hope and we want to put up standings about the 73 team and, and Dream, look, that's fine, man. I mean, look, I have gotten so many letters, great letters from individuals. You know, I don't like to just give out people's names unless they tell me it's okay sometimes. But, uh, you know, thanking me for the show, thanking me for – kind of keeping them engaged and, and actually people more than one who have talked about the energy of the team and how much they actually now enjoy watching this club. Even Keith Hernandez was talking about it on the broadcast. I I believe on Saturday night, how he saw the Mets defensively showing energy and playing a lot like the 2022 team. You still have the same manager. You still have the same manager who I believe still would hold the same expectations, but I look up the standings. I look up at the wild card. I look at this. You know, this is only the second year of the three wild card scenario. You know, in the American League, you got a pretty high bar there. You got, you know, a couple of teams at 14, 15 games over 500 playing 550 baseball. Uh, You know, in the National League, the bar is a little lower. The Cubs only five games over. The Giants six games over. Phillies 10 or 11 over. You know. Even teams that are playing at an 87 to 91 clip, these are not high bars with a somewhat competent team to make the postseason. And I still say, after they had split, and, and I know, look, I'm not here to second guess Billy Epler anymore. I, I believe it was the right decision. If you look at Verlander, since he's gone to Houston, the the, the line isn't great. Yeah, he's winning. Yeah, he's competing. Yes, he's still Justin Verlander. But you look at the walks, you look at the lower strikeout rate, and you have to say to yourself, for a guy making $43 million a year, Mets were expecting a dominant Cy Young ace, maybe not vintage Verlander, but not somebody who represents more like a number 3 starter. I mean, let's face it, Kodai Senga's numbers, his peripherals are way better than Verlander's. Now, Scherzer started to percolate, and I expected that. But throughout the entire first half, all the way into the, all, uh, the trade deadline, anytime Scherzer faced a good team... Especially on the road, it seemed like he turned into Cookie Carrasco over there. And he was hanging slider after slider. So you really can't question that. But you start to think to yourself, a team like the Mets with these two aces, with these two guys at the top of the rotation, with an emerging Kodai Senga, who has proven me wrong, 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 wrong. I mean, could Senga be—I mean, that's the best version you could have expected out of Senga, right? Right. And then with Quintana coming back into the mix and giving you quality start after quality start, and yeah, he was still short, probably a pitcher in the five spot. But I think that if they were in contention, you could have figured something out with Luke Casey and McGill and Peterson and openers, or, or perhaps something. You know, Carrasco maybe, you know, is a different pitcher with some juice with something on the line. You never know. When you start to look at that especially the trading of the two pitchers, you know, maybe fam and Canna and Robertson, who was a big piece. Maybe you could even said, Hey, you know, you could have traded those guys got value. Maybe even made a trade to bring back, you know, comparable players to fill different spots in the bullpen and corner outfield. You know, not like Canna was having a great year. Fam was, you say to yourself, who knows what could have happened because immediately this team went into the tank in Kansas city and Baltimore right after the deadline, the energy was sucked out of the balloon Everything was sucked out of the balloon. So you start to wonder, you know, could this have been different? The Mets had played 600 baseball in July. Now, that's looking backwards. Woulda, coulda, shoulda is not going to get it done. We all know if they had won three or four, maybe even five, not asking a lot, we're not asking them to have a winning record games during that tough tough stretch in June, it would have been a different ballgame at the deadline. I believe the Mets go for it. I don't think that they you know, sit back and rip the farm system farm system apart. But I think that they go for it. And I think that this is a different conversation. And we're having a way different conversation right now here on August 20th. But now you look at the haul they got, you know, and I'm not going to get too deep into prospect rankings. I really don't care what this site and that site and this analyst, you know, it doesn't really matter. The Mets have an improved farm system. And I think there's a lot of guys, arms that are going to be start to be talked about That could be bullpen arms, perhaps, uh, depth starters, maybe backup outfielders, component offensive players. I think you're going to start to see more names pop up because as I start to study and look at different individuals who are sharing information about the system, there seems to be under the radar, not top 10, not top 15 prospects that look interesting and are at AA. And you're not too far away from seeing that if perhaps they can be uh additions to the 40 man as early as next year maybe even if it's later in the year so now that you have and and let's let's the Mets decision was the probabilities of making the playoffs were not ones they liked they were able to land top talent by using Steve Cohen's checkbook maybe they don't do all this if they don't get these prospects and the only way they got these prospects is is if Cohen ate salary on these guys. So they bought themselves prospects. They bought themselves Drew Gilbert. They bought themselves Ryan Clifford. They bought themselves Luis Angel Acuna. They bought those guys. And I think the pressure is on. And in a way, everybody could criticize Billy Epler for his inactivity at the deadline last year. Maybe you don't like how he constructed this roster. You certainly could, you know, it's not much of an argument— You could certainly say he doesn't doesn't really have any charisma when he sits there and he talks to the press. But his job, whether they bring in Stearns or another president of baseball operations or not, his job will be won or lost based on this deadline because Steve Cohen asked him his thoughts. He laid out the math. The math indicated that they didn't have a great shot at making the postseason. And that next year, those two aces were a year older. They didn't like some of the peripheral numbers they saw, especially on Verlander. And they figured, let's jump on this before you know, we have an expensive hood ornament or a bad sunk cost contract very quickly. You don't want to have the Robbie Cano contract with a worthless asset when you're paying your one and two aces $43 million a year. So you really... They he really needs to be right on these guys, you know. Now, do I does he need to have all three of these guys hit? I'm not saying that, but they really need Acuna to be this versatile top of the order spark plug. Maybe he's not his brother, but they need that. Drew Gilbert, who looks like he might be the best of all three, he excites me. I mean, the guy looks like he's a pure hitter. He's got grit, looks like he's a pretty good outfielder. He looks like a guy that, along with Acuna, could bring a lot of energy to this this club offensively, And especially with Acuna's speed at an element that they quite simply do not have and have not had, even when Marte was in the lineup. That's one of the reasons why they brought Marte over, but for, because of his injuries, really, even when he's been on the field and been productive, speed has not been part of his game, and that was why they brought him over. And then Clifford—that's you know a wild card where maybe you got yourself another uh, elite power threat, especially from the left side, and he could be a left-handed Pete Alonso. I mean, he's hitting balls in in Brooklyn that you know quite honestly nobody really hits the ball like Clifford is hitting Brooklyn because of the way that that ballpark is—the kind of pitcher's ballpark it is. It's right off the water over there in Coney Island, and I, I haven't even gotten to the four or five or six arms out there. One of which Mike Vazel had a great outing and started to pitch better at triple a might somebody we might even see this year, hopefully see this year. Um, So you really are banking on these guys being not just component players, not just nice additions and assets that they get flip guys that could help this team as soon as maybe next year, maybe not an opening day, but pretty soon offensive pieces you know, especially with a guy like uh, potentially Gilbert or, you know, even, uh, you know, Kuna, you know, it looks like Brandon Nemo might need need to move to a corner. We don't know what the health of Mar- Marte is going to be. You know, they're going to need maybe a center fielder. They're going to need maybe somebody at the very least to spell Marte a couple of times a week if that's where this arc of his health is taking him into late prime. You know, maybe he's still going to be productive, but he can't play on day games after night games, or maybe he needs... You know, two or three days off a week to stay productive and healthy. We don't know. These are a lot of things that are out there. So these are the kind of players that are going to have to play into that, and and we'll get into it after the break. Despite the fact that Max Scherzer has reported numerous times, and the Mets have kind of already downgraded their expectations for 2024, most people in the game don't believe that Steve Cohen won't be trying to go out and get himself an Otani or spend to fill obvious gaps with the right free agent. Or perhaps, you know, dreaming of a Far East rotation, which is something that we'll get into. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. And if you love the fillet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So, with that, you know, you have to be right. You know, the 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 real thing here is if you're going I know it was one an opportunity that probably was low percentage. But the team was starting to play the way that you envision from the start of the year. Six hundred baseball, and they ripped that apart right when it was starting to get good. And you have to think, you know, what you see out of Scherzer is he energized because he's in a pennant race? Maybe getting out of New York. Maybe the the weight of expectations uh, was even sucking up Verlander and uh, excuse me in Scherzer and engulfing him. Maybe that was part of it. You know, we don't know. But you got to be right because you don't get many of these opportunities. And in a three-wild-card world, it truly has turned the postseason into a tournament. Look at the Phillies. And you see what the Mets have. You see what they have with Senga now hitting his stride and with the solid pitching of Quintana. The Mets would have had a really decent foursome, even with a not-vintage Verlander. That could have made noise in the postseason. I really believe that. And I would have liked to see it now. These teams, Texas, Houston, made the Mets offers they couldn't refuse, so to speak. So again, that's water under the bridge. But this really is going to be the make or break for Billy Epler. If a year or 18 months from now, these guys turn out to be another Dom Smith, or they're struggling like a Brett Beatty is, and there's no end in sight, or you, you, you start to question if they they have the ability to be productive or even big league players if they wreak anywhere near 4A. That would have could have should is going to come up. People are going to ask and the media is going to ask why didn't the Mets who were starting at their stride who were going into Kansas City after taking 3 of 4 from Washington, who could have had Scherzer and land in the rotation when they went into Baltimore and some of these other cities when Guys like McGill and Peterson are getting the bulk of the starts in their place down the stretch. And both of those guys are completely been 4A, sometimes worse than 4A, at times this year. That's going to come up. And that could be the difference between Billy Epler making this town or not, depending on how these kids produce. Because these are going to be signature trades for Epler. Now, maybe they don't all produce or maybe none of them produces and there's guys in the system that start to make strides and then... You know, we don't even think about it if the Mets are competitive. But I still believe that the the expectations for those three are huge. That's a ton of pressure on these guys because of the opportunity cost of what the Mets gave up. You know, I don't get too big into these fan graph and all these other, you know, Percentages. I mean, I don't know how they even come up with some of this stuff. How do the Mets have a 3% chance of making the playoffs and the Yankees 1%? Probably strength of schedule and all. You know, it's, it's almost like, like everything else, there's an algorithm, right? There's some AI that's doing it. All I know is what my eyes saw. And I started to see the 2023 Mets come together in July. And what the real kick in the you-know-what is, is all they had to do was play mediocre instead of 62 Mets level bad in June. And it's not the first time we've seen a June swoon from these guys. We saw one of those a few years back when McCalloway was the manager and they had gotten off to a fairly decent start. The other thing as we head towards the back half of the year, you know, everybody likes the energy that they see out there. You know, they like the fact that, you know, you get to see a DJ Stewart, show his fair, and Ortega, you know, another four-eye guy. You know, all these, you know, Castro hitting home runs, Abraham Monte. I mean... These are guys largely that are journeymen. Uh, At the best-case scenario, maybe they're on tryout for uh, a job off the bench or maybe if they have options, they want to go to AAA and be that veteran who gets paid well to sit AAA in Syracuse and perhaps get the call when there's an injury. Maybe that is perhaps part of all this. But I know everybody likes the energy they see. I know that they like this team. A lot of people have told me they like this team better now than when they saw them the first 90 or so games of the season. Of course, McNeil has been McNeil, and Lindor has been elite, and Alonzo's back to being Pete Alonso. and Brandon Nimmo, after a little bit of a, a rough patch for about a month and a half, you look up and his numbers are right where you would historically expect him at the top of the order. So that plays a lot into it. But it goes to show you how expectations around this team, the burden of expectations, the stress of being a favorite, of being this team that spent all this money with this owner, I think it got to everybody. I think it got to the players. I think it got to the fans. And in a lot of ways, it may, you know the fans' dream all these years was to have an owner that had an open checkbook. And they weren't even asking for what they got with Steve Cohen. No, they were just asking for, hey, push that payroll a little bit towards the, the, the luxury tax. Push it towards the luxury tax. That's it. That's all I ask. Being on big free agents, don't just go and give B money to C free agents. And we we as a, as a fan base, the media, everybody in this town that covers the Mets, you got that and then some. And I think it stressed people out. I remember when the Correa deal went down, how some people went, well, this isn't fun. The Mets are stacking the deck in their favor. Never say that because, as you can see, you just don't know. You're never really stacked in baseball in your favor. Too many variables. This is not the NBA. You can't just get three superstars and figure out the rest of the roster, like what the Phoenix Suns are doing or what the Miami Heat did many years ago. You, you have too many opportunities for things to go bad. There's too many positions to fill. You can't put a star everywhere. You're still going to have games being decided by your fourth or fifth best reliever, because you've burned through your top guys on a road trip. So there's always going to be pitfalls. There's always going to be soft spots of every roster. Nobody's stacked. Really. I really believe that. I mean, maybe there's some exceptions in the history, but nobody's stacked at this point. So it goes to show you how hard it is, as I've been saying, to play here. But I do believe, and I know everybody's been talking about tanking and how they you know, they all don't want the Mets to fall 10 slots back. Because they're over the luxury tax. And if they're in the top six, they won't have that problem. And they'll get a top pick. And it would be nice to get a top pick. But I looked at the quote-unquote here. And I look at teams like Washington and Pittsburgh and the Cardinals and the Rockies. You got Oakland in there and Kansas City and the White Sox. Tigers, Indians, the Yankees maybe. With their eight-game losing streak hovering around. But, you know... The Mets, even at this point where they're very shy in starting pitching, thin in the bullpen, probably two or three bats short on some nights in the lineup, they're still not that bad to be a top six bad team because you have, unless they start to sit Alonzo and Lindor and Nimmo, uh, they have this core of offensive players and a couple of nice veteran arms in Quintana and, and maybe Luke Casey and uh, obviously Senga, who's not a veteran here in the States, but, you know, it's... 30 years old, he's not a spring chicken. Where it's going to be hard to tank. And then you add in the human element. Which is, if you expect for this organization to get better and grow. If you expect them to even come close. Forget about contending in 2024, as early as 2025. And you want to incorporate some of these young players that you just acquired into the mix. Don't you want them to be in on a team that has... Veteran leadership, a desire to win, a positive clubhouse. You know, the record is not necessarily what I'm concerned about. You saw some ugly baseball against the Braves. The Braves are the best. They're probably the best team. They're not probably. They are the best team I've seen all year. You know, they're better than the Dodgers. I think the, I know the Dodgers are, are catching up in record. They've been playing better late, but I think the Braves are better than the Dodgers. Everybody else I looked at, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, San Francisco, and even Baltimore. Too. And I haven't seen Texas play too much or Minnesota who are in the playoffs. Tampa, I saw them earlier in the year when they came to City Field. And I said, all right, they're good teams and even Houston to a certain degree, but there's nothing there that just blows me away. I mean, Atlanta was the one team that seems to be riding at the next level, at that elite level. And we'll see. You know, still really relying on the home run and that tends to be a little bit harder to come by in a short series. So... You know, you look at that and you look at the Mets and you say, you know what, they, they they need to continue to push to win. Not to tank, to win. Because that's how you build culture. That's how other players see a team like this and say, I still want to play here. You still have to sell people on the vision. Look, Cohen did it to Scherzer. Cohen did it to Verlander. He was able to, you know, over the last couple of seasons, when they want to go out and get a big fish, he's able to get into that Zoom call or that meeting and sell them on what's going on. And last off season, he had one hundred one wins despite the disappointing end of the season. In his backpack to point out that they're making strides. He won't have that this offseason. season. Best case scenario, maybe he has an eighty or an eighty one win team, and that's going to be tough. That's going to require them playing at a level that I don't believe the current roster at nine or ten games over. I don't think the current roster can do that. I just don't. I don't think they have enough bullpen. I don't think they, they certainly don't have enough starting pitching. And it's going to require the core offensive players that I mentioned earlier to be playing and and, and really not slumping at all for the rest of the season. And inevitably all these guys do. I mean, Lindor's been as hot as a pistol now for about six weeks. Eventually he's going to have a crater. It happens to the best of them. So I think it's important for everybody to get in there. Yes, you want to see guys like Vasil. Maybe you want to see a Mauricio at some point or something along those lines. And I have no problem with any of that as long as it doesn't, impact any future eligibility or move their free agency up or whatever. But I think it's important for the rest of the year not to tank, not to root for them to lose, root for them to play as crisp and as well as they possibly can. So that going into 2024 and after the break, we'll get into that. If the reports are true that the Mets are still, going to want to spend to put out a competitive team. And as I mentioned earlier, you look at the three wild card system. Look, the Braves could win 105, 106, 608 games. It's not going to matter because if you're one of those three wild card teams, you're in the same tournament that they're in. Yeah, they get a bye if they have the best record in the league, but you're in that same tournament. And if you have the right mix and you get hot at the right time, you don't know. Now, you don't want to build yourself just to be in the muck. But really, the margin between in the muck and out of the muck was, what, one game last year, 101 wins for the Mets, 102 wins for the Bar- uh, the, the Braves, or they both actually finished tied, and Atlanta won the season series. So we don't do coin flips anymore in baseball. We actually do things the right way. You Think about that. So um, I think winning's important. I think seeing how some of these guys perform and seeing Alonzo continue to you know be the best version of himself. See Lindor in his smack in the middle of his prime, play an elite shortstop defensively and 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 show you that he is a solid, you know, maybe he's a streaky but a very solid elite offensive player. Seeing Jeff McNeil going back to being the line drive hitter, the batting champion that you expected. Brandon Nimmo, whether he's playing a corner or center field, he seems to be a great defensive player in both spots or a very above average, very solid defender and he's run creating as he normally does at his normal career rate. You want to see that. And then, you know, the me, to me, the biggest surprise this year, and I'll leave on this before we take a break and and get to Rosenthal's piece. I cannot believe, you know, when he signed, I've been very critical of Kodai Senga. But as of today, after his, and you heard the clips coming in, you heard, you know, his, again, he didn't have his best stuff at, at, Really any point. Maybe the last three innings last night, he started to become the Kodai Senga with the ghost fork and everything. But now you're seeing Senga, even when he doesn't have the velocity or his best stuff, finding ways to get big league hitters out. And when you go to baseball uh, fan graphs today and you look at wins above replacement, he's 19th among all starting pitchers. He's ahead of guys like Aaron Nola, Sandy Alcantara, Hugh Darvish, Blake Snell, who is a free agent this offseason and probably will get paid. Luis Castillo of Seattle. Jose Barrios of the Blue Jays. Somebody that we were looking at a couple of uh, years ago, maybe, as an option in this rotation. Chris Bassett, who I wanted the Mets to bring back. He's been better than. Tywan Walker, who signed. By the way, here's something that's going to blow your mind. Kodai Senga has a better war and about the same FIP. As Shohei Ohtani, yes, Shohei Ohtani. As a pitcher, you know everybody talks about Ohtani. He is a an incredible specimen. What he's doing on both sides of the ball, incredible. But as a pitcher, he's good. But I'm not sure he's number one. He may be a number two or three. As a hitter, he's a middle of the lineup. Probably the best. I mean, he would replace Alonso as the most dynamic player on this lineup. If he signed this offseason, but when you look at that, I mean, Kodai Senga's nineteenth, and he's ahead of a lot, and he's right behind guys like Corbin Burns and 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 uh, you know Nathan Evolde, Jordan Montgomery, guys like that. I mean, he's you know the next step up is the top ten guys like Cole and Wheeler and Strider and guys like that. So it is amazing what we are seeing here from Senga, who's in his prime. You know, top five in um. Actually, uh, top ten in strikeouts. Uh, you know, strikeouts per nine innings. You know, uh, you, you just can't ask for more than what we've seen out of Kodai Singa. To me, he's been the biggest surprise. You know, he's it he was things were rough earlier in the year. He had to get used to the ball. You're still going to need to make special accommodations with the six days off, six man rotations, and that might be something they have to manage pretty much his entire career. That's why you want to get a strong you know, swing man like. You know, Luke Casey could be maybe Luke Casey could be the left handed version of Trevor Williams. That was something we talked about at times. And it just for a variety of reasons, some I don't quite understand it work out here this year with him. But, you know, that's where we're at. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Ken Rosenthal outlined what the plan is. And the plan, according to those around the Mets and those around the industry, is that the Mets are not going to punt on 2024 they may not go out and sign Julio Urias or Aaron Nola or Blake Snell, but many find it hard to believe they won't go after Otani and they won't be in on other players that perhaps they can round out on shorter deals for a little bit less money. They're going to be over the luxury tax, so that's a fait accompli, but they'll still want to compete and win and, and not tank. And you know that's music to the ears of everybody, especially me, who thinks that right now with what's going on in this town, with the Yankees on a losing streak – we talked about the baseball malaise. The Mets have a golden opportunity where the team across town is very confused about their identity and where they're going and experiencing things that Yankee fans have never experienced. Things that were going on in this town in pinstripes when George Bush's father, Bush One, was president, before Bill Clinton was president, before you know Rudy Giuliani was mayor in this town, before anyone knew about the Core Five, you know, before anybody knew about Derek Jeter. It's been a long time since things like that have uh, gone on across town. So the Mets have a golden opportunity. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about the Mets in 2024 right after this. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc, only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer.